politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for what matters in the way it matters. And most importantly, at the time it matters, if that is your goal, it's a tall order, but we are here to serve that order at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, Tuesday, April 4th, in the year of our Lord Saint Donald J. Trump, because every day is Trump, all day is Trump, and certainly this week and for pretty much until the next uh, big thing, the next Chinese balloon, the next uh, poisoning East Palestine type of thing, um, this will be the news of the day. Uh, Oh my gosh, it's terrible. Look what they're doing to Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. Donate to Trump. Trump is doing so well in the polling. Trump, Trump. Okay. I'm sick of hearing about how Trump exposed the deep state. I want to hear how we're going to defeat it. And, And notice there's always a lot of talk about how Trump exposed it. You're right. Trump exposed it more than anyone else did. You know why? Because never has a person come along who so much taunted the other side, but did so little about it. And in fact, when they would mobilize their full array of forces to confront him and create these inflection moments. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The moments that actually matter, not the broad rhetoric, the small items you do as president, but those big moments, the budget bills, the debt ceilings, the COVID, the things that they induce. Not only did he not rise to the occasion, he slid backwards and gave them everything they wanted, which is why Fiscally, socially, security-wise, demographically, freedom-wise, we are worse off than we've ever been. So yeah, he exposed the deep state because they were able to, they were motivated to mobilize and they were able to succeed in that mobilization with him more than any type of leader ever. See, if you have a pure establishment person, they won't mobilize quite as much. If you have a real leader, he'll crush them. Or at least try to crush them. But here, this is the worst of all. I want to hear what we're going to do about it. Now, we already said what we can do to protect people in Trump's predicament himself. And we're not even hearing it from Trump himself in terms of promises as president. And we already know where promises are. But you know, we don't even hear that, much less action. But, you know, when you look at that two-tier justice system, the Fourth Reich justice system, you know Pfizer's anti-fraud trial? We talked about this a lot. Brooke Jackson uh, her and her uh, anti-fraud lawsuit, it was dismissed. Dismissed by a Reagan appointee. So, again, they could commit mass genocide and fraud, no problem. Oh, and we find out the Chinese balloons indeed did allow the Chinese to gather intel Oh, and we find out that CDC workers in East Palestine, half of the 15 CDC workers got sick. So every last catalyzing event resulted in destruction, as we predicted. But there was no effort from Republicans in Congress to do anything about it. They're out for two more weeks after they've been out for about a third of the time they've been in. So again, you listen to my colleagues commentating opining, musing, thumb-sucking, no sense of direction. But in order to get a sense of direction, you have to understand how we got here, 
with this same man as our dear leader to begin with. And we're going to discuss that and more today. But again, it's never just about Trump. It's about understanding where we came from, where we need to head, always forward looking. Now, uh, one great sponsor we have today is Liberty Suppressors. We have a lot of people suppressing liberty, um, but there sometimes liberty embodied in your handgun needs to be suppressed in the sense that it is too loud. Guns are great. We all love our guns. Um, I have a terrible, startling uh, reflex. I just hate loud noises. Um, it just ruins the experience, especially when you're shooting indoors. Um, many people are unaware that that the, that suppressors and silencers are actually legal in most states, all but maybe seven or eight blue states. Um, they could reduce the sound of a gunshot by up to 30 decibels. So that is very significant uh, that you know you, you don't have to worry about that jump every time you shoot. Uh, Liberty Suppressors is a company that specializes in creating state-of-the-art durable sound suppressors that are uh, affordable and lightweight. So it doesn't kind of ruin your uh, modus operandi with um, hand grip and things like that. They offer excellent customer service as well. All their products are made in the USA. It's important to protect our hearing when using firearms and using a sound suppressor can help significantly reduce the risk of hearing damage. And Liberty Suppressors really is a company that shares our values, provides high-quality, durable suppressors, and they're affordable. So check out um, LibertySuppressors.com, LibertySuppressors.com, to see their full array of products today. So folks, I want to start off with this clip here that Thomas Massey put together a montage of Donald Trump praising Paul Ryan Take a listen here. I think Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney will save Medicare. I know they will. I like Paul Ryan very much. But I have a lot of respect for Paul Ryan. I have great respect for Paul Ryan. And I have a lot of respect for Paul Ryan. I support and endorse our Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, who is a very good person. Paul Ryan's a good guy, actually. Paul Ryan's no, he's a good guy. Speaker Paul Ryan, I've really come to appreciate. Oh no, I've come to appreciate him. I, I have a lot of respect for Paul Ryan, and I like him very much. I'll tell you, he has been terrific. He's a good man, and he's a good guy. He's like a fine wine. No, he's a classy guy. He's frankly, I like Paul Ryan very much. Every day goes by, I get to appreciate his genius more and more. And I want to thank Speaker Paul Ryan for being here. He's been tremendous. Our great speaker, Paul Ryan, and he is a great speaker. He's a great guy, and we have some amazing things in store. And he's going to lead the way, so thank you. Paul Ryan and Mitch, it was a little team. We just got together, and we would work very hard, didn't we, huh? A wonderful man who I've gotten to know very well. We're going to win so much. You're going to go to Paul Ryan. You're going to go, Mr. Speaker, please, please. We can't stand winning this much. We can't take it. So, folks, you hear a lot of um, Trump people suddenly saying DeSantis is in the back pockets of Paul Ryan. And I don't know where they get that from, but DeSantis fought Paul Ryan's budget bills when Ryan was speaker. That's why he helped co-found the Freedom Caucus. Uh, but you listen to Trump, and it wasn't just clips from way back. You know, you could find someone praising someone way back, and you know, before we knew the extent of the damage, and that's that's fine. Um, it's that 
He said he's like a fine wine. He grows on you. His audience began booing a few times, and it's like, no, no, he, began, he grew on you. People forget he was president and weaponized and empowered Paul Ryan against the Freedom Caucus and his base. It's not like there wasn't a side fighting this. Like, you know, you can't go back and say, oh, you know, you supported the Iraq war in 2003, so you should be ineligible now. I mean, I did too. You had a significant movement opposing Paul Ryan back then. And I wanted to go through today just some of this. Every single budget bill during Trump's presidency passed with more Democrat than Republican support. That's how much they never feared him. The the deep state was mobilized And then not only didn't he crush them, he funded them with a greater degree of support than Obama. The reason why we're seeing all of this today, everything from the FBI and DOJ and HHS and DOD, he funded it. We're thinking like, man, the Democrats, they're terrified of Trump. They want to take him out. No, in fact, they actually want him to get the nomination. Now, part of it, people will say, is because they think he's more beatable, and I, I don't disagree with that. But a part people are forgetting is that he was once president. Tell me if this is a president that you fear. I want to go through every budget bill he passed. H.R. 244, Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2017. So this was May 2017 to continue, kind of finish off FY 2017 budget that wasn't finished from the previous president, from Obama's era. Okay, the Senate. Every single Democrat supported it in the Senate, but 18 conservative Republicans opposed it. In the House, Democrats supported it 178 to 15, just 15 no's. But Republicans was 131 to 103, so you had all of the conservatives voting no. H.R. 601, that was September 2017. That was the blank check debt limit increase. Every single Senate Democrat supported it. 17 Republicans opposed it, obviously the most conservative. House, every single Democrat supported it. 90 House Republicans opposed it. Again, this is Paul Ryan's doing. The Target Act, that was the FY 2018 omnibus bill. All but six Senate Democrats opposed it, but more than half of Senate Republicans opposed it in March 23rd, 2018. Um, what about in the House? 77 Dems opposed it, but Pelosi supported it, and most Democrats supported it. More Republicans, 90, opposed it. The FY 2019 Cromnibus bill, Passed September 18, 2018. Every single Dem except for Bernie Sanders supported it, but six Republicans opposed it. Um, in the House, just five out of the you know 200 something, 200 or so Democrats opposed it, uh, supported it. I mean, but the 56 most conservative Republicans opposed it. Um, let's see what else we have here: the 2018 trillion dollar farm bill. Supported by every single Senate Democrat, but 13 conservative Republicans opposed it. In the House, all but three Dems supported it, but the 44 most conservative Republicans opposed it. The FY 2019 Homeland Security Omnibus Bill that ended the shutdown without funding the border wall, opposed by just three Dems in the Senate, 
but 13 Republicans opposed it in the Senate. Um, 19 House Dems opposed it. That's it. But 109, which is the majority of House Republicans opposed it. Debt ceiling increase and buzz and busting of the budget caps. The the only spending um, cuts that we secured in our lifetime in 2011. All but four Senate Dems supported it, but 24 Republicans in the Senate opposed it. Um, in the House, Dems supported it 20, 219 to 26, but roughly two-thirds of Republicans opposed it. Again, Trump signed all of these. Um, FY 2020 continuing resolution, every single Senate Dem uh, supported it. 16 Republicans opposed it. Dems in the House passed it 225 to 3, but 76 Republicans opposed it. And then finally, the 5,593-page FY 2021 omnibus bill when Trump was a lame duck in his final weeks. He signed the bill, bailout for the education cartel and the states for locking down, continuing all the, the, the entire Fourth Reich, Pfizer funding, all that stuff in there. Um, that, in other words, next to the Cures Act in March March 27th, 2020, this was probably the second worst piece of legislation ever. It was also the largest bill ever passed in American history, almost 5,600 pages. Every single Democrat supported it in the Senate, opposed by six Republicans. Every single, all but two House Dems supported it. It was opposed by 50 Republicans. Those were the moments that mattered. Those were the bills that mattered. Trump signed all of them. And that's just the way it is. Now, folks, because he signed those bills, we now have supply chain shortages in medicine. We now have all sorts of problems um, getting antibiotics. There will be another pandemic. Actually, Joe Biden just said that earlier this week. He guaranteed you there will be another one. Um, so they they are promising to create another one. Um, it's bad. What are you going to do when you cannot get a hold of antibiotics? I had to use it on my daughter for an ear infection. And I will tell you, there's a lot of places you can't get things like Augmentin and Azithromycin. So if you go to jacemedical.com, you fill out a questionnaire so you get a legitimate doctor-approved prescription, you can get off the bat five life-saving antibiotics in your Jace case with you for when the next apocalypse hits us, and it will hit, and you put in review, promo code review for a special discount. It's everything from azithromycin and doxycycline to, um, uh, what's that one? Uh, <laughs> amoxicillin, the most basic one. Folks, you should be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones. Don't rely on the government or even your own doctor. So put in promo code review at jacemedical.com. And I just want to say, folks, that you know, with all these budget bills, it's important to keep in mind that Republican opposition would have been strong, even stronger had Trump opposed it. Meaning it's not like, oh, Trump opposed them, but then the Republicans are like, screw you. The Republicans typically follow the lead of, of the president who's of their same party, right? 
So he made it clear he wasn't opposing them, so that's why they did what they did. Because some of you might say, oh, well, you know, some of these cases, they had veto-proof majorities. But that's only, you know, you see it in the state legislatures too. Usually if the president says, I will oppose it. So even when Republicans lost the majority at the end with some of those bills, like the omnibus bill at the end, Democrats didn't have veto-proof majorities, nowhere close to that. So... You know, but but again, every single major piece of legislation that has affected our country garnered more support from Democrats, often unanimous or close to unanimous, and most often with support from their leadership. Trump not only signed each of them, but Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin negotiated every one of them from the get-go. Republicans had control of both houses of Congress for the first two years and control of the Senate along with the White House for all four years. This was an alliance between Trump's liberal cabinet members, Democrat leadership, and Rhino's Paul Ryan against conservatives every single time the swamp was refilled. It was not drained. It was not drained. In some cases at the very end, after talk radio and some of us got on this case, Trump expressed concerns, but it was after his team already negotiated. Remember, he promised, um, I'm sure some of you remember this, in March 2018, um, you know, after the first one of these, he said, I will never sign another bill like this again. And then, in fact, there was never a single one he didn't sign after that ever again. And the result is we were saddled with an additional additional $7.6 trillion of debt um, in Trump's four years blowing out the $5.8 trillion of Obama's first term that led to the Tea Party. You know, that was Obama's trifecta control. That was, um, you know, and that was, you know, a terrible recession. Whereas under Trump, we supposedly had this great economic growth, at least until COVID. You know, but that's the thing. This is where we are. If you look in constant 2021 inflation-adjusted dollars, addition to the debt per year, Okay, per year, per year. Under H.W. Bush, it was $609 billion a year. Under Bill Clinton, it was just $168 billion. A lot of that was the economy. A lot of that was the GOP Congress. Under George W. Bush, it was $694 billion. Then under Obama, it was a little bit over a trillion a year. We were like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Under Trump, it averaged out to a little bit more than $2 trillion a year. And again, this is not just some sort of debt figure, you know, some sort of number. That represents the destruction of America. Everything you see was underwritten by the woke and weaponized agencies at that point. How are we supposed to look away from this? And, I, and again, I want to make the point that relatedly, for all the trash-talking of Paul Ryan and corporate Republicans by Trump's campaign, he wasted a huge portion of the trifecta. His main bill was what? Massive corporate tax cuts. And, and, and I'm on record at the time, and I spent a lot of time. I, I first said, look, I, folks, I really don't think tax cuts is the issue of our time. I think regulatory reform is a bigger issue. We talked about at the time that there were things. Healthcare, obviously, we talked about repealing Obamacare fully, which they didn't do, was the much bigger issue. Trump pivoted because he was too scared to touch that, so he went on to tax cuts. And that's what we wasted that time on. And again, tax cuts are nothing because 
the Woken weaponization doesn't work off of tax revenue. It works off of printed money and debt. So it was a waste of time. Notice I'm not just talking about COVID. For those who think Trump was an amazing success except for COVID. You know, it's not that Trump didn't do some good things. There certainly were things that were better than having a Democrat. Or even even past Republican presidents. But on the big things that mattered most, at the time it mattered, he was either AWOL or on the other side. Literally helping the other side. Remember, we're not going to get involved in another, um, you know, terrible legislation, terrible spending bills, terrible new policies, because you have a Republican president and suddenly Congress like, I think it's a great idea to lock everyone down, to destroy this. No, the left even more so when you have a Republican president, Trump or DeSantis, if they become president, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to create inflection moments. They're going to create crisis points. They're going to create, it, it could be any number of things. It could be another pandemic, but it could be something we haven't even thought of. And, and, and who is equipped with actually dealing with this? We have a track record. It doesn't matter what you say. You know, I'll never forget when George W. Bush, he was very, very articulate against Gore and during a foreign policy debate in, in the 2000 election. And he said, we are not the police, you know, policemen of the world. Because yeah, this, this kind of piggybacked off of people on the right were still very sore about Somalia and what happened there. We're like, we're not going to sit and get involved in that anymore. And, th- and that was the dogma. <laughs> and the rest is history. It's a joke. I mean, obviously, he, he became the biggest. I mean, you know, you say, well, 9-11 happened. Yeah, but he didn't have to do all of the things he did. And George H.W. George W. Bush probably did mean it at the time. Just like Trump probably means a lot of what he says at that moment. Until the moment changes. I really don't understand. If you want to tell me, Daniel, this is unprecedented. This is crazy. We got to defend the guy. Yes, I defended him better than anyone. I came up with seven action items and things that states could be doing right now. And at least House Republicans should be building the case and presidential candidates should be running on. But we're not seeing any of that. It's all designed to elevate Trump's polling, donate to his campaign, and have Trump become president again. Or I'd say win the nomination. He ain't winning that general election. But what does that do us? You could fight the persecution without elevating the man that screwed us and led to the woke and weaponized government getting twice as much funding as it ever got. My gosh. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. want to augment this discussion with, with Pedro. We've had him on a lot. He's done a lot of research into this. But first, our interview segment is sponsored today by QP Goat Soap. QP, what does that stand for? Quinn Pittman. Um, he is a 15-year-old entrepreneur who has his own farm with goats. He, he makes all-natural, healthy goat soap. Goat soap and shampoo. I have all of their products now in my house. Um, they have new, uh, different scents, different types, all different uh, uh, flavors of soap. And it is so smooth and creamy on your body. It's like the best experience in the shower. You'll be supporting our own. He's one of our own Blaze subscribers, a Florida small business, a Christian conservative 
um, homeschooling family. What a great story. I mean, you look at all this transhumanism and TikTok generation, and then you look at someone like Quinn Pittman. Uh, but it's not just supporting those that that share our values. Their product is really all natural oils in it. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of people have been commenting that when they use QP goat soap, they either have you know dry skin problems or um, dandruff, which I have because it comes out of stress, and I certainly have a lot of that. So uh, it does help. It does help. Go to QPGoatSoap.com today. Use promo code Daniel for 10% off. Support one of our own. Again, promo code Daniel for 10% off at QPGoatSoap.com. So one of the bright young voices in this very small movement, and I don't mean Con Inc., MAGA Inc., Populist Inc., I mean the movement of people that are like, yeah, this is kind of the rise of the Fourth Reich. What are we going to do about it? We can't go on much longer about this. The movement of us that don't have time for politics as an end to itself, but a means to an end, but have an end in mind. And Pedro Gonzalez, we've had him on a number of times. He came to light during this kind of Trump era and was a big supporter of Trump. Wild-eyed young guy looking for change, looking for that promise to actually care about ordinary Americans. And he could have ridden that train and never got off of it. He could have, uh, you know, he was invited down to Mar-a-Lago. He could have been part of this group, uh, Grifton and Drifton. But he chose something greater, something that is greater than self, because he kind of realized what I did. Hey, this is not working. And it almost seems like on every measure you step back and it looks like we're going backwards. And everything that Trump and his people talk about almost like in in an Orwellian projection fashion, they're the ones doing it. And you step back and think, what are we getting from this? So he stepped off the train and started exposing a lot of the shallow state and grifting around Trump and why everything that they're putting their promise in and, and the base voters are, really we've been through this and we've accomplished the opposite. Where are we headed? So I figure on a day like today when you're going to hear the same old, same old, uh, from every other show, I, I don't even understand how people could listen to Fox and you know talk radio today. They're all the same. There's no new insight you're going to learn, no sense of where we're headed. But Pedro is going to join us today to offer real insight. Hey, Pedro, I know you're uh, getting over a cold there, but thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much, Dana. I, re- I really appreciate that very nice introduction. And if you're interested in following my work, you can go to my Substack at Contra. C-O-N-T-R-A.substack.com. Uh, that's where I publish all of my very unpopular analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Contra, yeah, Contra on Substack. You're also at, uh, a writer at Chronicles Magazine. Um, okay, here's what I can't figure out. There's one thing if Trump surrounded himself with a bunch of, like, rock star guys that get it done. I'd be like, you know what, maybe, maybe there's really a difference this time with a potential second term. But I'm seeing all these young stormtroopers I literally never heard of until a few weeks ago. Um, Now, yeah, you have some of the kind of older Bannon type of guys uh, cheerleading him, but I'm not seeing them literally on the campaign in Mar-a-Lago. Who are these people and where do they come from? For example, who's this Brusowitz guy? Yeah, well, uh, I think it's it's kind of interesting. Trump is sort of like at this point a, a, a... an African warlord who kind of just elects child soldiers 
to 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 lead his his uh, it's like the small boy unit basically, and I think Bruce Willis is interesting because he uh, he has become kind of one of the main spokesmen for Trump on the internet, and until very recently, basically he was a huge DeSantis booster, and so you can go back and find tweets from him from 2021, and I actually did this in response to him because I just got fed up with. It, look, everyone has to earn a living. Yeah. Everyone's got to make a. Everyone's got to make a living. Uh, everyone has to eat. <clears throat> but I think what the Trump influencers have done is they've crossed the line, where they're they're you know they they go after like his fa- uh, DeSantis's family. They they say things are just hideously untrue. Uh, they're trying to pretend that DeSantis is no different from like Ted Cruz in 2016, which is just ridiculous. Like they're trying to no, forget about Ryan Ted Cruz, like, Mitt Romney, they, and Paul Ryan. Right, right, right. And, you know, they, they, they accuse him of being a sexual predator. DeSantis is a groomer and stuff like just stuff that goes, I think, to the point where it's like you actually as a consultant, I actually think it's counterproductive because you're not going to get hired anywhere else after, you know, the, the Trump train falls apart. So good luck. But anyways, you know, I looked into Bruce Witz and what I found was is that if you, if you look at his FEC filings, it's funny because you can actually create the timeline. Basically, through 2021, he's extremely positive at DeSantis. You know, there's one tweet that I highlighted where he says, I'm so happy to live in Florida under the best governor in America who, who kept the state open and free. That's 2021. 2022, you can see that he starts getting money from Trump's Save America Pact. And there are two payments in 2022 for a total of $35,000. So it, it also shows that these people are often cheap dates. I'm sure that there's more money, but it doesn't <laughs> take that much to get the conversation going. So in 2022, the payments from the Trump Save America Pact start. And then in 2023, DeSantis is a hack. I am ashamed of how he handled the cor- uh, coronavirus. Florida was not free. It was totally locked down. It's the same guy. And he yep. just does a 180 for money. And that's basically the Trump campaign in a nutshell. It's a bunch of people like Jason Miller, who wouldn't be able to work anywhere else. And what's infuriating, infuriating about it is that they're lying to to the Republican base, including MAGA voters, every single day. Well, it's, it's infuriating because they're taking advantage of how frightened and desperate these people are. And you might say, well, that's patronizing. You're saying that they're not smart enough to discern for themselves. These are really frightening times. And so you, you look, whether you realize it or not, you often look to personalities, figures in positions of authority and influence, and, and you assume that they're not going to lie to you right now of all times, right? When there's you know, so many different types of crises going on. But that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking advantage of that. And I think that, for me, is where the line crossed and where I just I jumped off the train. Because I'm not going to lie to people. Uh, and you couldn't pay me to lie to people. So, that's, yeah, that's, that's basically where I jumped off the train. So, so those are kind of the media hacks. And as you noted, there's one thing you want to make a case for your guy. But to, to, the, the notion that Trump, there's no problems, nothing that you need to work on. And DeSantis is somehow like, it's not like, yeah, well, I love a lot. But here's you know what I think I'm a little concerned about. It's just like totally, he's like right. Mitt Romney. I mean, you know where that's coming from. But what about the policy people? If you had to project out... Who would be running policy in a Trump second term if he would ever yeah. somehow get there? Um, right. You know, I think we could probably say Javanka, you know, won't be there. <laughs> I think we could assume. You never know. They could be brought back, but it does seem like they're done. So that's a positive that you won't have Javanka. Right. 
But does that mean, you know, the policies would be better in a second term? Look, we actually don't know that, by the way, because this is the thing. You automatically have to throw uh, for, for your audience. And I'm sure that many of them already know this, but Trump actually loves the fake news. You know, Vanity Fair, The New York Times, The Washington Post. He actually cares more about what the fake news says than what Fox News says oftentimes. And so you can find these reports in Vanity Fair, and it actually ends up being true, where he's, he's be- reportedly begging Ivanka and Jared Kushner to attend his 2024 announcement in Mar-a-Lago. And you're like, okay, well, that's his Vanity Fair. That's not true. But actually, I was there, and I saw Jared Kushner walk in and sit front row during the announcement. Ivanka was noticeably missing, but Jared Kushner was there. So that's actually true. So basically, it's not clear to me that they're actually totally, I mean, Ivanka maybe, but it's not totally clear to me that the influence of Jared Kushner is totally out of the picture, especially when you consider that his White House in waiting, his official Trump think tank, the America First Policy Institute, which is filled with the worst people from the first administration, the ones that pushed jailbreak, uh, the ones that basically weakened Trump's hardline immigration policies. Uh, Larry Kudlow, who Peter Navarro said was instrumental in killing a presidential commission that would have grilled Anthony Fauci and also pushed for legislation to hold China accountable for the coronavirus pandemic. Peter Navarro said that Kudlow was one of the people that was instrumental in convincing Trump that he couldn't do that because basically the media would hate it. And Trump listened to them. Kudlow is at America First Policy Institute right now with Brooke Rollins. These are the worst people from the first administration. And Every report about them tells you two things. One, it's the White House in waiting. In other words, they're the people that are probably going to be first in line to staff the next administration. And two, that Jared Kushner is an informal advisor to AFPI. And so I think this is, it puts people who are basically like, I I respect these people uh, who are involved in policy and are trying to be above partisan politics. And in some cases, their their, uh, nonprofit status actually requires them to to, to not basically endorse either candidate. But when people say, like, well, we just want to help Trump or DeSantis, we want to help whoever wins, right? That's not how it's going to work. Like, you should know that in the first administration, everyone who was solid on policy, who tried to help, was destroyed Destroyed, or was fired or was chased out by guys like Bolton. And, like, that's not – that hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. Again, when you say things like this, you're often trading on credibility. But I know people that were really solid and worked in the first administration – and they're off the Trump train. And these are policy people who are hardline in immigration, who are America first on foreign policy. And, and they're basically telling me like, I, th- that this administration, if there's another one, is going to be worse than the first one. Because now the, the smart people, the people who are solid, they've basically learned their lesson. Uh, I put my neck and my, my name on the line for these people. I got burned. I got left out to dry. And now it's become a total circus. I'm not doing that again. And it's interesting, he says that he's going to ban anyone who works for DeSantis. Now, notice not like Mike Pence right. or Nikki Haley. <laughs> so, th- so that really yeah. washes out all the guys that, that think the way you right. and I do. Right. Right. By the way, that, who does that include? That in, does that include you know, people from the Claremont Institute like Michael Anton? I, I, I'm just speculating here. I have no idea. But the Claremont Institute has worked with DeSantis, and they're very good. Uh, they've worked with DeSantis on on social and cultural issues in Florida. So does that mean them? The the guys that have been helping DeSantis basically fix the culture and and fix education in Florida? Uh, Does that include Christopher Rufo? Because Christopher Rufo has been working with the DeSantis administration in Florida. Does that mean he's blackballed from the Trump administration? Rufo also did stuff with Trump. 
but because he, he also did stuff with DeSantis, does that mean that he's not welcome anymore? No, I mean, but, really, but wait a minute. I wait he, a minute. Yeah. I want to stop at Chris Rufo a minute because I've seen this from some of those people. They believe Chris Rufo is not good because he governs. Have you noticed there's this right. trend that that <laughs> yes, yes. you have to just again like it was interesting. So we have this back and forth. It's like you're not allowed to talk about anything other than Trump. To, I mean, we have the Pfizer anti-fraud lawsuit was dismissed, dismissed in Texas. They could kill as many people, uh, do as many things. We talked a lot about the border rancher, George Kelly, being persecuted, Sergeant Perry being persecuted because he he shot back at a BLM checkpoint that, you know, they raised an AK at him and, and you have to get dragged out of your car and beaten. You're not allowed to protect yourself against them. Obviously, you have the case of Mackey, yeah. who's, you know, facing 10 years for for uh, an election meme. It, these are people that are going to jail, are rotting in jail. Tomorrow I'm having a, a guy on who's going to talk about, uh, you know, his experience in the gulag, tortured, beaten. You know, unlike Trump, who's just going to circle in and out today, he's not going to obviously be held, God. and he never really will, and he's got the money. These are people who didn't have money. They couldn't get lawyers. I put out a seven-point plan of what to do. I'm like, all right, you're right. This is a big issue, and I think... Because it's 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 tough for us because yeah. we do believe this is a top three issue probably you know the the politically targeted persecutions you don't have no justice no equal protection this is a very big issue along with COVID fascism along with the border along with the castration many many issues along with the you know Federal Reserve and and what they're doing to the economy tons of issues but but here's the deal yeah. the minute I talked about solutions suddenly is like there was no. There was nothing positive or negative. I mean, some people appreciate it, but like, hey, isn't there a lot to chew on there? To this day, I'm not hearing anyone talk about this. Because outrage is more profitable and honestly more indulgent um, than solutions. It's much, much easier to get angry and to get worked up and to get riled up than it is to get excited over someone who proposes. Because solutions are hard. They require thinking. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not going to name names because I think these people are honestly beneath the ears of your audience and they should not know the names of these people. But there, there are like Trump boosters and, and people who are like basically the way that they view that they're going to get into the second administration is by sort of worshiping Trump now on social media, which is actually actually kind of a, a true, by, which is terrifying. You know, that's, yeah. that's not the best way to, you know, to filter people is based on how uh, how many op eds and tweets that they write in Trump's favor. But anyways, no, there was there was an argument that I shared also on my Twitter where someone, one of these people, was basically condemning Christopher Rufo for being uh, too too knowledgeable of how bureaucracy works. <laughs> this person specifically went after Rufo and DeSantis in general, basically saying these people, their knowledge of bureaucracy reflects the, the 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 backgrounds that they have as basically people who are learned and understand how government works and that's a mark against them because it means that they're somehow part of the system and only someone yep. who's just chaotic and erratic like trump uh which which is what they really meant when they said uh dynamic wow. which is the term they used only someone who's as dynamic as trump which is chaotic and disciplined and erratic can actually change things not someone like rufo not someone like DeSantis, not the people who's on the one hand their values align with ours but on the other hand, they've done their homework yes. and they understand how power works like the left. Those people can't help us. That Somehow, is very profound, Pedro, that. because it t- dovetails with my opening monologue here on how. So 
we we were told that Trump he might not be conservative or right wing or this or that or he's kind of unique, but he'll burn the system down. But what what I was concerned about already in 2016 and and was proven correct, and this was even before COVID, is that he'll burn us down, not the system. It, because yeah, if you don't right. know anything, if you're complete know nothing, then when you get to the plate, you're like, oh wow, I don't know how to hit a a, a 95 mile an hour fastball. I don't know what to do here. And guess what? You're scared of destabilizing the system. You go along with the system. So that's why every single budget bill, every must-pass bill, every farm bill, every debt seal, every point of leverage, he went along with the system more than anyone else. Like, like Trump is the biggest Hitler in the world, according to the Democrats, right? But not really. Because if you look at the mark of his administration, the top bills... We went out. There's about we named about a dozen of them, including the last one. You know, a couple weeks before we left office, the FY 2021 omnibus bill, 5,600 page bill, the longest bill in American history. Um, they got unanimous Dem support. Sometimes one or two or three out of you know 200 Dems because uh, you know they always have kind of one reason for opposing a, a, a budget bill. It obviously wasn't so bad for them, was it? No, that's right. And I think people, everyone should follow um, Massey, by the way, on Twitter, because Mass, uh, Thomas Massey has been one of the only people, uh, I think he, he has been probably the most outspoken person with the biggest platform who's in Congress that has been calling out exactly this. Trump didn't, and this is, this is, I think this is important because you'll often hear people say things like, well, I support Trump because the left hates him and that's my heuristic. The left hates a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> that's not a good heuristic, right? And but if you actually, you know, it, not just the left, of course, it's you know, it's like, well, Paul Ryan hates Trump now. Thomas Massey has been one of the only people that's been pointing out that Trump loved Paul Ryan initially. He totally sold out to him. He, he tweeted this great highlight video recently that yep, shows just Trump it. just praising him. Yeah, we, we, we just played it, him, and, right? and these were the key leverage points. Yes, that's that's exactly my point, is that Trump actually helped save the skins of people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, who were vulnerable until Trump came along and basically rehabilitated them by giving him his seal of approval. But now we're, you know, but now we're supposed to pretend that there was never that this never happened. History is, you know, that Trump, the the new thing is, oh, you know, Carl Rove said something nice about DeSantis. Trump had Carl Rove, uh, Rove advising his 2020 campaign. It's such a joke. You're not supposed to notice this stuff. And this is what I mean. This is why it's infuriating, these, these influencers and these, these media hacks, because they're lying to you. And it's so easy for you to, to find out the truth on your own, but you're not supposed to do that. And when you try to do that, they intimidate you. Look, look at the way that people like Alex Brucewitz are treating Matt Rosendale in Montana and Chip Roy in Texas. Wait, wait, and talk Thomas about Matthews. the Matt Rosendale thing, because I never mentioned that. Right. Well, ba- basically, um, Trump is upset with Rosendale because Rosendale didn't take the call from him when MTG shoved the phone in, in Rosendale's face during the fight with Kevin McCarthy. Rosendale is very independent. Um, you know, he's not going to be pushed by anybody. And so, he, you know, when, when and that, cause that was a pressure campaign by Trump. I know that you're not supposed to believe that. You were, like, again, oh, wait, you mean when lie. Rosendale oh. was one of the original five yes, yes, that yes, facilitated yes. the entire leverage yes. against McCarthy to secure all these concessions? He's yeah. a Montana yeah. Republican, uh, Eastern District yes. there, and um, he might be running for Senate. And 
and of course Trump will endorse the rhino now who is in his administration. He will. Yes. So yes. wait, you're That's saying right. he, he and Trump was whipping against that and undermining that leverage as he did with every primary and leadership election we tried <laughs> to have during his yeah. tenure, but we're not supposed to remember that. Um, yeah. Wait, so they don't like Matt Rosen. I mean, you're not going to get more of a hardcore. If you don't like Chip, all right. I mean, Rosendale, like that, they, they don't get more <laughs> hardcore than that. No, Ro- Rosendale was one of the only people that opposed the federalization of Juneteenth because he saw it for what it was. Yep. It was kind of a racial hang around your neck, white people bad kind of thing. Independent <laughs> of what Juneteenth actually means to people in Texas, Rosendale saw exactly what it was. Like we're taking a holiday that's like a regional thing that people celebrate in Texas um, and, and we're making it a kind of federal day of shame. And he, and he was also very good on Ukraine from the beginning, unlike Trump, by the way. Rosendale was anti, you know, endless war with Ukraine while Trump was still talking about nuking Russia and bragging about arming Ukraine uh, and saying, you know, Biden didn't do that. I was the one that gave Ukraine javelins. Well, Ro- but Rosendale's mistake was to be independent in that critical moment with the fight with McCarthy. Uh, Axios reported that right as of right now, Trump is looking at endorsing someone else uh, for That's the upcoming Senate race unreal. in Montana. And, and Alex Brucewitz uh, recently accused Rosendale of being part of the swamp. Because why? <laughs> why? Because Rosendale has yet to endorse Trump for president. Ah. It, because, again, Rosendale, Rosendale is an independent guy who makes up his own mind. And because he's independent and makes up his own mind, he's part of the swamp. And so there's a kind of pressure campaign to get people like him to just fall in line. And again, like the amount of damage that that can do, you're talking about potentially, you know, getting someone out of Congress. Worst case scenario, this actually blows back on Rosendale and like hurts him politically. And you lose someone who's actually super solid and one of the only good people in the GOP. Why? Because he wouldn't get on his knees and kiss Trump's ring. That's, I mean, this should infuriate everyone who is like me, you know, furious at the Democratic Party and furious at the establishment GOP. Guess what? Trump, the Trump train is helping both of these camps. He's a nuclear bomb on our movement. And it's not just people think, oh, you're mean, you're you're ashamed of him, the way he talks, the image. That's not even the main point. No, it's that he literally it's not defined by how um, committed you are to the cause and how smart you are about it. But. It's defined by your loyalty to one man and to itself. So in other words, you could have Matt Rosendale, who is like, you know, again, I, and, and I, I'm friends with Chip. He's on the show all the time. But for whatever issues someone might have with Chip, you certainly wouldn't have with Matt. Like, he is as based as they get. Um, out of, of 435 members, I mean, I remember when he was in the legislature and we were hoping to get him in and it took a took an extra election cycle. And now the prospect of elevating a guy like that to the Senate is really unheard of. We really don't have people of that caliber yeah. in the Senate. Um, and I could say that looking at all 100 senators, I mean, and, I, and you know, and that includes even J.D. Um, you know, yeah, I know we like J.D., but, but this is a whole nother level. And he's a problem. But Lindsey Graham is the biggest globalist neocon, you know, all the things you can imagine, but he's kissing his ring. He's maybe doing other things with him, walking around South Carolina there. He is awesome. Pedro, doesn't this boil down? I'm just looking at the messaging kind of the last couple days. The the 30,000 foot messaging just seems to have boiled down to the case for Trump is essentially 
he is entitled to the nomination. That's it. Yes. Yes. And by, by the way, for your, uh, for your listeners, you can look up the, the article in Axios that we're talking about, about Rosendale. It's, it's called Senate GOP close to landing top recruit in Montana. And the, the guy that Trump is leaning toward, um, his name is Tim Sheehy, and he knows Ryan Zinke, who served in the Trump administration. But it's funny because when I looked up Sheehy, who I'd never heard of, one of the first things I found on his LinkedIn was him basically just taking the, the standard neocon line on the rush on the, the war in Ukraine. And, and, but he is being considered for this Senate bid by Trump simply because of, on the one hand, these kind of uh, these incestuous relationships, which are very establishment, by the way, right? Not picking people based on merit, but based on who you know and, you know, how low are you willing to kowtow to Trump? Which, unfortunately, you know, Rosendale, again, at the moment, he's in trouble because he's just too independent, which is exactly what we want. But going back to what you just said, I mean, it's such a, it, it is, it's, it's such a, funny argument, Trump is entitled to the nomination, right? Because the Trump movement, at least according to his influencers and his boosters, is this kind of youthful, vital thing, right? It's the opposite of the sclerotic establishment that's just ensconced like Mitch McConnell and just not going to change no matter what, doesn't care what the public thinks. That's what they're doing now. It doesn't matter if you don't like Trump. He's, it's, it's, it's an ode to him. Like it's owed to Mitch McConnell. It's it's funny because it's the exact opposite of a kind of of the of the kind of vital wow. dynamic movement. It's this kind of sclerotic thing where it's like, look, you might be sick. I mean, some people have said this. Like, again, I, I won't name names, but you can find them. But some Trump boosters have actually said that you don't have to like Trump, but you're going to vote for him because you owe it to him. That actually makes people like me. I think I have this in common with guys like Rosendale that actually makes me not makes me double down in my opposition because you're not going to tell me to, you know, I have to vote for someone at the same time that you're telling me that we have to oppose the establishment because that's exactly the, the kind of thinking that establishmentarians have shut up and fall in line. That is wow. Okay. I mean, that Pedro, that was a little bit too much for me. I mean, I, I can't take it anymore because <laughs> You're reopening all these wounds that even I try to just like <laughs> not. I just don't want to focus on it. But but this is the thing. MAGA Inc. Populist Inc. It landed in the same place as Con Inc., which is basically just replace the word vote Republican at all costs to vote Trump at all costs. Everything that about Republican, like you said, Mitch McConnell, they're owed it. The same problems we had in primaries, and then again, like. This man destroyed us on every primary. Ironically, the one case he was helpful against the establishment, um, whatever that guy was, the ag commissioner in Florida, um, big establishment guy running for governor. And, you know, he Trump endorsed DeSantis. Ironically, now they're telling us they regret it. Okay, so you regret your one good endorsement there. Um, because, again, why do they regret it? It's not because the policy outcome. It's because, well, it gets yeah. in the way of the man. Uh, the other things don't yep. get in the way of the man. All those other rhinos um, that he endorsed, uh, they're not getting in his way. And and, and look, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm seeing it in the Freedom Caucus. You know, Matt is an independent thinker, but there's a lot of others. And, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm texting with some people. 
And it's like, <laughs> they, they kind of know, they, they know what you and I, I mean, because a lot of them were in Congress during this period of time. But it's, if they're not governed by the cult, they're governed by the fear of the cult. Yes. So there's the yes. fear like, I think that, that, yeah. I, I, I want to speak to this because I think this is, this is the other part of, of why I, I was commenting on this today, right? Because I keep hearing this thing like, the indictment is about stopping Trump. Like Alvin Bragg is trying to stop Trump from running for president. No, they're not. Democrats, like Alvin Bragg is doing this for because he, he wants to, you know, get clout with the left. And, and he, he literally ran on indicting Trump. So it's, it's, he, he spells it out for you. This is about my glory. But Democrats want Trump to be the nominee. Joy Behar, I, I tweeted this headline, Joy, Joy Behar explicitly said she wants Trump to be the, nomin, uh, the nominee so the Democrats will win in 2024. And you might say that's crazy, but de- and, and maybe they're wrong, but Democrats are basing that strategy based on what they saw in 2018, 2020, and 2022. And they're wagering that it's going to happen again in 2024. Mm. Every single public opinion survey that I've seen, and by the way, the Trump campaign loves public opinion surveys right now, but they, they love selectively using them, right? <laughs> but if you look at them, every single one of these, including the ones that the Trump campaign will selectively, they'll only show you a little bit, all of them show that independents who helped Trump in 2016 and have helped both uh, Democrats and Republicans. So independents are real and they matter. Well, in all, pretty much every poll that I've seen shows independents believe that Trump is guilty of everything that is accused of in all of these different uh, legal cases that he's facing and that criminal charges should be disqualifying. And, and, Democrats, and ju- that I is just, their strategy. Yeah. It, but Pedro, I just want because we're almost oh, running out of time. I think it's important to throw okay. into this picture Within a few hours, we'll maybe talk about this tomorrow, we'll know the results of this Wisconsin Supreme Court race. And and what all the indications from the early voting show is that unlike every race in Wisconsin, which is deadlocked, Republicans are going to get crushed in this election. And the thing is, usually when you're this deep into the first term of an unpopular Dem president, we've seen this with Obama, we saw this the other way with Bush, you know, back and forth, all these kind of like skirmishes, these special elections and state legislative elections that occur off season, they're all harbingers. And what you're seeing is we can't win in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. And it's, it's actually getting worse. It's almost like the type of, of results you would have if the Republican were the incumbent. Now, I don't want to blame it 100% on Trump. I think it's the status quo GOP with all of the trash in it. But Trump certainly looms prominent in his image of the party leader, McConnell, all these guys, unless you're going to make a change, the numbers show the 2018, 2020, 2022 electorate is still fundamentally there and not getting better. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and but the reason you're not hearing this, the reason it's, it's just people like the few people like you and I that are saying this is twofold. One, it's profitable to be a loser. You don't you don't have to win in politics to sell NFTs and merchandise, right? It, it's martyrdom is very profitable for the GOP. So they don't care if they get crushed in elections because you can still sell stuff on the sympathy, right? He's being persecuted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many examples of this. Uh, but on the other hand, it's fear. Fear that if you say this, if you say what, like you said, people in the Freedom Caucus might be thinking but are afraid to say, you will be crushed. You will be hounded. You'll, you'll be accused of being part of the establishment. You'll be accused of being on the yes. side of Alvin Bragg. And I totally understand that for some people, they, they just don't want to deal with that. 
they don't have the mental or emotional bandwidth to deal with that. And I get it because like this stuff is relentless and it's disgusting, but that is an integral. And if, if you're offended by that, by the way, it's an integral part of the Trump campaign to just deploy goon squads to crush anyone who's willing to say any of this stuff, yep. even if it's all true. And it, and it is. I could do today's show with all the issues, just minus Trump. Yeah. You know, it's the establishment you know, I'm, I'm hearing this from different people. It's the establishment attacking Rosendale. Uh, they're they're poisoning the well with Trump. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like always, it's never the man's fault. Everyone's bad-mouthing the good conservatives to Trump. But then why should he be the leader if he always... Right, what does it say about Trump? What does it say about Trump? It just, it's so, I, I can't even do this yeah. anymore. But anyway, where can people way, fo- follow way, you on Twitter? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at E-M-E-R-I-T-I-C-U-S. And again, you can uh, follow my work at your chroniclesmagazine.org where I have a column or at my Substack at contra.substack.com. Contra.substack.com. Very worthy of your time. Um, folks, uh, you know, we are at a time now. I wish we could have gone longer, but Pedro, thanks so much for your courage, for your diligence, for your uh, research and what you do. And folks, let me know your questions for Pedro till tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.